0: Is there not an entire section on this subject? No, yeah. yes, I may have changed my mind in the meantime on that, so it's unfair. I may have, I may have changed my mind about Mether, for example. Is your, your book for sale about it? Yes, sir. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. What have you ever asked God for forgiveness? I'm not sure I have. I just go and try and do a better job from there. I don't think so. Let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me say it like you mean it. This is my vibe. What up? I got something to say. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 25 of Let Me Tell You. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. It has been an interesting week in politics. I don't know how many of you actually uh, sat down to suffer through the democratic debates. Uh, slightly less painful than the seven hours of sin and town hall uh, meetings that they ran, which I watched zero of. I let somebody else do that, but I managed to watch two hours of ...of this uh, last Democratic debate, so you wouldn't have to. So it's pretty interesting. Uh, we get down and then there were ten. Um, yes, I know that there are still some people who consider themselves to be in this Democratic race, but these are the top ten, and this is in reality who we're going to deal with. And a few of these people are going to be dropping off like flies over the next uh, couple months, I guarantee you. Uh as much as some people actually thought she was maybe the uh, most um, reasonable voice on the stage this last week, uh, Klobuchar is going to be gone soon. I can't imagine her staying in. Uh, Julian Castro, um, is it Julian or? No, Joaquin is his brother. This is Julian. Yeah, again. I care so much that I don't even remember the dude's first name. He's going to be gone pretty soon. Um, they may keep him around for one more debate just to let him take a few more jabs at Biden, um, which he did. Um, but he's going to be gone. Uh, I can't imagine that Andrew Yang is going to hang out for too much longer. Uh, Buttigieg is going to be, um, falling to the wayside. I'm sure. I hope we'll talk about that here in a minute. Um, Booker will probably hang around for a few more months um, just because of the backing that he has. Uh, So um, a lot of these people are going to be falling off. But the debate happened. Most of the conversation, at least all that I watched that I could handle, was talk about health care and talk about guns. Of course, the two things we knew we were going to talk a lot about. um, I found it pretty interesting that Beto O'Rourke tweeted out after the the um debate something to the effect of four hours of debate and or three hours and not one question on women's reproductive rights i.e. abortion which of course i i commented back and i got no response i think i may have actually been blocked (laughs) was uh i was like well i'm pretty sure that they figured after two hours of straw man arguments about children being shot uh killed by uh AR-15s, they didn't want you to look stupid to be advocating to have children murdered by forceps, clamps, and something else. So, uh, that was my response to him. So, a lot of it, I mean, just your typical stuff. Of course, Bernie wants to give everything away for free. Um, Biden can't remember um, what he wants to do, um, but he knows that no one else... Can pay for what they want to do, which is, again, I found myself agreeing more with Biden on this than anything, which is really odd um, for me to say. But again, the health care programs that are Medicare for all, which is going to cost upwards of $70 trillion over 10 years. Um, and Biden's plan is supposed to cost $490 billion. But $70 trillion over a 10-year period for uh, Medicare for All or Medicaid for All or whatever it is, um, ridiculous. And Biden, rightly so, continued to ask, how are you supposed to pay for this? To which nobody answered the question. I mean, Bernie's the only one who's willing to answer that question and say, yeah, we're going to raise all of your taxes. But no one else would actually answer the question. Um Another couple of, of really interesting things. Um, Buttigieg and uh, Beto got into it a little bit over a couple of things. Um, Julian Castro. This is what I thought was the funniest. Is as he was talking, and he was actually wrong. Um, they were going in about their health care, and he was saying how in his plan people would be automatically uh, enrolled into Medicare for All. Biden had said earlier that um, some people would have to buy in, but if you lost your job or something like that, you would be automatically enrolled. Well, apparently Julian Castro didn't hear him say that, and he just made the comment that people would have to buy in, and Joe said, no, I didn't say that. And Julian went back out and do you not even remember what you said two minutes ago? Really playing off of the gaffes and so on that Joe has had over the last few weeks, um, playing on his age and... Um, Lack of memory and so on and so, but in reality, Julian was wrong. If you go back and check the tape, Biden did say that people would be automatically enrolled in his plan. So those were kind of the big things that went back and forth on stage. Um, Beto, of course, the the famous quote of "Hell yes, I am. We are going to take your AR-15s and your AK-47s." Um, as they talked about that, Biden again. The voice of reason on the stage, pointing out the fact that we can't do that because we have a constitution that guarantees the right to bear arms. You can't just come and take my AR-15, which I don't have one, but I really feel like I want to go out and buy one um, just to see Beto come and try to take it. You know, and of course, this is not a threat which of that was the thing is people were making comments about my AR is ready for you to come take it and stuff like that. which Beto was like, this is a death threat and calm down. <laughs> right. You know, take it. go listen to your favorite, uh, pop artist, Taylor Swift, and just calm down, Beto. It was not a death threat. Neither was mine, but I am really tempted to go buy an AR 15 now. Um, Saw a great meme Uh, was Beto was America's number one AR-15 salesman. For the what? Mm. Excuse me. My uh, regular uh, show yawn as we get through. So again, Kamala Harris as Joe Biden points out the fact that we have a constitution that you can't just come and take guns away. Kamala's little funny line which was irritating as anything i should have got the the video clip of it but why would i torture you with that stuff but she says you know playing off of obama's uh slogan yes we can when joe said no we can't take guns we can't just take guns away because of the constitution kamala harris's point was like i just want to say joe don't say no we can't can't we just say yes we can (laughs) and then that that irritating uh, fake Hillary Clinton laugh that she has um, which was just painful but here's the big thing Donald Trump doesn't have to record, pay for do any kind of of commercials for 2020 all he has to play is these clips from, from these guys at these debates and throw in a few uh stupid comments by the squad sorry and uh and there you have trump's guaranteed 2020 uh win for this i mean i didn't vote for trump in 2016 for some of the obvious reasons grabbing them by the genitals and so on um the clip that i have in the the beginning of my um of this episode of this podcast, that clip of him saying he's never asked for forgiveness. Don't claim to be a Christian and then say, you've never asked God for forgiveness because the two don't go together. It don't work. So those are the reasons why I didn't vote for Trump. I don't trust him. I don't think he's truth Honest. Um, I think he's a scumbag. I do agree with some of the policies and some of the things he's done. I'm the guy that'll give him props when he does something good, critique him when he does something bad. I had not planned to vote for him in the upcoming election but watching some of these people makes me want to so we'll see when the time comes whether or not I'm pushed to the point to, to you know pull that lever for on the on for Trump uh, when I get into the the voter booth um, if these crazy Democrats have pushed me far enough to vote for what may be the most immoral president we've ever had. Um, I know we've had some pretty bad ones, but yeah. Trump, serial uh, adulterer, proud of what he's done. Um, You know, just, ugh. So there's your your breakdown, essentially, of the important parts of the Democratic debate. But two guys I really want to uh, focus in on. And that's Beto and Buttigieg. Um, Mainly one, Beto. And again, I don't think either one of these guys has a a realistic chance of winning the presidency. But these are the two guys that some of the attitudes and things that they have going in on their campaigns are the scariest things that for, for Christians, essentially, again, Everything I, I want to talk about in this podcast is coming from a Christian worldview and maintaining a consistent Christian Christian worldview is why we talk about these things. And so first off, Beto, um, the gun issue, um, I think this guy really, really, really believes that he can come and, and take guns. I think he is fully intent on trying to disarm America and whether he does it in the, the Oval Office, which again, I don't think he has any possibility of winning or in Congress or whatever, this guy is going to champion for the next 30 to 50 years, however long he lives, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not even sure how old he is. I know he's on the younger end of the scale, so probably in his 40s. So, I mean, realistically, we've got some pretty old guys out there on the stage. I mean, Beto realistically can live to 80, 90 years old, whatever. Um, and the way our Congress works out, he may continue to be in politics. I mean, guaranteed he's going to be in politics. He's going to be a public voice. He is going to be calling for... Uh, confiscation of weapons for the next 40 to 50 years and again, here's you beat the drum long enough and I truly fear that at some point in time these people are going to get what they want and overturn the second amendment or amend the second amendment excuse me and come after our guns really come after our guns and so the the scariest people that are on this stage are these two guys Beto because of the guns and then of course he is they're both like just rampant abortion fanatics um both uh, agreeing with abortion right up until time of birth uh Buttigieg was on I believe he was on uh the one of the morning shows, Charlemagne the Gods morning show, whichever one that is, um, which again, why you have uh, this dude on that show? I'm, I mean, presidential uh, candidate, I guess, get you anywhere. I'm I'm still waiting for my invitation. I've I'm I, I would love to have some conversations with Charlemagne that that some of these folks have have completely whiffed on their answers but so both of them just rabid as far as abortion advocates but Beto scariest, scariest thing about Beto is his desire to take away our guns and the the scariest thing about Buttigieg is he's gonna be nightmare for Christians if he gets into any kind of office higher than the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, um, he's going to be a, a born in the side of, of the Christian church. He is going to be an advocate for the dissolution of religious liberties in this country. He is going to be the champion for religious speech as hate speech. Um, he is going to be, and and he claims to be a Christian and he's right now kind of playing the, um, in the background kind of thing of, you know, well, I'm a Christian. So yes, I want people to have Liberty, but he's gay and he's, uh, married, um, which we know it's not actually a marriage because it's not, uh, doesn't fall into what a marriage is defined as in God's eyes. I digress. Um, but he is going to be the voice uh, that is going to take away preachers' ability to call homosexuality a sin, street preachers' ability to stand out on the street and preach the gospel and call people to repentance, um, abortion uh, ministries' ability to stand outside of abortion mill and beg with parents to not murder their children. So I, I'm telling you i'm calling it right now buddha judge is going to be the the champion for that unless and and again all everything i say is under the caveat of unless we can get to them with the gospel and see them repentant and saved and regenerate because when god regenerates a heart it's going to change all of this attitude it's going to take uh This, you know, want desire for abortion and so on, it it will take that away. It may take some time. I mean, some of those things are hard to break, but I believe someone can be saved and working through those issues. But ultimately, they're going to get to the place where those issues are gone. And I think that's a perfect segue into the last thing we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes or so. And that is uh, Pastor Jared Wilson. I had never heard of this guy until this week. Um, and it's only because I follow Greg Laurie and Greg Laurie talked a lot about what happened and then reading articles and so on. I can't remember the name of his church. I apologize. I probably should have memorized that or had it written down, but, uh, obviously pastor of a, a pretty big church advocate for mental health issues and suicide prevention. Um, outspoken on both of those issues took his own life which has stirred up all kinds of conversation one really good conversation about suicide prevention which i am all about um you know again and and it leads into what else i want to talk about and so i mean it it did bring up suicide prevention but it got a lot of people especially people on twitter talking about whether or not this man went to heaven because he took his own life because suicide is technically self murder. Can somebody who murdered self go to heaven is somebody who, who commit suicide truly saved is somebody who takes their own life. Absolutely. Are they regenerate? You know, if we talk about the Holy spirit takes away those uh, desires over time and makes us hate our sin what do we do with somebody who and again we have a, a president who claims he's never asked God for forgiveness what do we do with somebody who has es- essentially executed themselves with no ability to repent of that particular sin what do we say about that is, there, is that the unforgivable sin is that person now condemned to hell because they murdered themselves um and that was the conversation that came up quite a bit and it, it was interesting to read and again the 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 argument that i made i i'm one who said i mean i'm once saved always saved guy Um, perseverance of the saints. I believe that Jesus made the statement that those who God has given me, no one can snatch from my hand. And I believe that means even you, if you are in Christ and God has drawn you to Christ and you've been saved, repented, put your faith and your trust in him and name engraved upon his hand, record of sin nailed to the cross, past, present and future. I don't believe even you can take yourself out of Christ's hand. Because he is sovereign. He is God. His, his, his work does not fail. And if that work is applied to you through repentance and faith, then it never fails. So I believe, and again, I don't know. I, I for, firmly believe. I know there are guys out there that are pastoring churches that are not saved. I know there are guys out there that are pastoring churches that are wolves in sheep clothing. And will be among those, and I've said this before and I'll say it again, will be among those who stand by while they watch all the people that they have deceived into believing that they were Christian, but they were not. As those people approach Christ on that day. And say, Lord, Lord, did we not do these amazing things? Did we not cast out demons? Did we not do these things in your name? And Jesus will say to them, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. Because they were never taught the true gospel of of repentance and faith and the sinner's need for a savior. They were just taught prosperity. They were taught self-help. They were taught health and welfare. And they weren't given the gospel. And these people are going to believe that they were Christians and not have been Christians. And I believe that every one of these false teaching pastors, heretical pastors, will have to stand as each and every one of those hears those words from Christ before they hear them themselves and are cast into the lake of fire. So am I saying that this is Jared Wilson? Absolutely not. I I trust Greg Laurie. Um, Greg Laurie vouches for the, the salvation of this guy. So just going off of that and the fact that I don't say negative things about the dead. I don't know what happened in the last few minutes. of may, Maybe it wasn't an instant death. And who knows what happened in the last couple of minutes as, he's, as his life was fading away. Whether he was saved before or not. So that, that's my attitude on the dead. I don't know what has happened with any person who has passed in the last few seconds of their lives. And I I, I firmly believe in last minute deathbed confessions and repentance can happen because God is sovereign and he draws those people to himself. And so if God drew them, Christ, the Holy Spirit regenerated them and Christ's uh, atoning work on the cross was applied to them completely. And so if Jared Wilson was saved before he made this act, I'm firmly standing in the fact that he is saved now. And of course, so in this Twitter conversation and the, the, the interesting comment that came back to me was, uh, I made the comment. So what happens if I'm driving down the street and I'm about to get into a car accident, there's a guy hit coming at me head on. And in the last moments I curse at him, um, angrily you gdmfer hatred to this man who is barreling down on me about to take my life and then i die i have now blasphemed and i have committed murder against my neighbor in my heart uh, my brother in my heart so i'm a blasphemous murderer with no opportunity for repentance am i cast out of heaven And this was my argument that, no, I don't think I am. Um, I'm saved by the blood of Christ, whether I'm able to repent for that very last sin or not. And so an interesting comment came of, well, for those of you who are in that camp, what if, you know, your brother or sister uh, dies in the act of raping somebody or murdering somebody? So I had to stop and think about it. And of course, my initial reaction is, well, I don't think rape and murder are sins that a repentant person falls into. You know, we understand that those of us who repent, we struggle with pornography, we struggle with lying, we st- struggle with things that we have done in the past. But rape and murder are two of those things that I think are, are gone. And anyone who is willing to go and commit rape or murder is not a regenerate person. I don't think that is a sin that someone slips up and falls into after they've been saved. But then I stopped and thought, uh, well, suicide is self-murder. Would that not fall into the same category? And mulling over this and so on, again, I come back to the fact that, that despair, depression, these things are things that people can slip into um, just as a, a kind of falling back. And and so I think that suicide is in a different category than murder. Um, you know, it's something that can happen. I mean, and again, now we look at murder as a premeditated, uh, planned out thing. Um, and yeah, suicide can be premeditated, planned out. But I think that the majority of suicides are... Spur of the moment, and and I could be wrong, um, come at me with statistics and so on, maybe I'm wrong. But personally, as I've observed, I think that most suicides are spur of the moment, sudden intense moments of depression and despair, that feeling of of no possible escape and falling into this place of, of darkness and taking one's own life. Uh, so I do think it falls into something that is different than um, murder, rape, and so on. And so I would not be one who would say, you know, suicide again is an unforgivable sin. Um, you know, those who, and again, it this all comes down to God. I could be completely wrong we could get to heaven and, and God could say every person who committed suicide, he cast into hell. Um, and and if that were the, the, the situation that we find ourselves in, then I would go, okay, he's God. And, and that's always a situation that I find myself in. Anytime I'm looking at something that falls under the sovereignty issue, well, that's God. God has the ability to do what God's going to do and he's God. So, but as I've studied and looked at and, and firmly hold a belief in, I don't think that suicide is an automatic sentence to hell. I think that those who are, have have been saved and who find themselves in a, in a desperate moment and take their own lives. I think that that sin was paid for on the cross, whether they're able to, uh, verbally repent of it or not. The repentance has happened. Um, Christ died once for all and took the record of sin past present and future and nailed it to the cross so all that being said please pray for the Wilson family he left behind I know a wife and I think two young sons I mean obviously he's not very old um, so I can't imagine that his sons were could be more than maybe early teenagers but um, two children is again I could be wrong on on the the number, but a wife and a family he is left behind. We'll we'll leave it at that. Please pray for them. Pray for their provision. Pray for peace. Pray for comfort. His wife has has come out and said she will continue to advocate for mental health issues, suicide prevention. Um and that brings me to the end and what I, I immediately tweeted out after hearing about this. Have you prayed for your pastor today? I mean we look back through the you know the ages and the the church history and we see prominent names who dealt with depression charles spurgeon jonathan edwards uh martin luther these men all dealt with issues of depression in their lives and 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 so on uh so it it's not beyond the office of pastor to fall into these issues I guarantee you, because I've watched it with my pastor and I've seen some of the horrible attacks. If you have a pastor who is faithfully preaching the word, there are people out there who are going to be attacking him and leveling some of the fieriest darts at him based on his teachings and their disagreement with his teachings. And and again, I've watched it happen. I haven't, haven't experienced it nearly as much since I quit preaching week in and week out. And so, and and, relief to me, but that means that, that the, the teaching pastor in my church, uh, experiences that quite a bit. And some of the others, I'm, I'm sure our executive pastor, Dan has gotten some, some, uh, nasty letters from people and and I don't know about the other elders. Um, I haven't really since being part of Refuge Church and an elder here and even teaching in the kids ministry and so on I I haven't received the the hate mail that I have in the past but I guarantee you your pastor is. Um, Your lead pastor, teaching pastor whatever you call them at your church they are receiving hateful hateful things in the mail they are dealing with ugly situations marital issues uh, you know sin issues with people in the church they're dealing with these things day in day out and they are not immune to bouts of depression bouts of of dark thoughts that the enemy tries to plant in their heads I guarantee you the, the enemy is, is trying to get them in, in these cases. Uh, times of, of, of just, I don't want to say absolute despair, but man, when, when you get these things coming at you, these, these comments from people, it, it, it can take you to a dark place. Please pray for your pastors. Please continue to pray for them. Lift them up send them encouraging notes you know if i mean don't lie to your pastor if you didn't like the sermon this week if there was something that you didn't agree with sit down with him and talk about it find out where he got his information from and so on but if it was if if you were edified in their teaching if you were edified in what they did this week give them an encouraging note send them an encouraging email. Follow them on Twitter and shoot out a, a tweet. Hey, great message this week. Hey, thanks for spending your time with uh, with people in in the flock. You know, we, we're not going to mention names, but thank you for for the counseling that you give and thank you for the the care that you show to us as as the sheep in this flock. Encourage your pastors. Pray for your pastors because. It's obvious that that they're not above these things. They're not immune to depression and sadness and um, discouragement. Uh, So keep them in prayer. This is your first line of defense. If you don't have a local church and you don't have a local pastor, find one. You cannot get the same pastoral care from... A celebrity preacher online, and I don't care how great they are. If you are watching Jeff Durbin from Southern Florida, because you can't find a good reformed church like Apologia in Southern Florida, find something close And as close to a good church as you can. And get in and get under local pastoral care. Because Jeff, as amazing as Jeff is, cannot care for you, person and soul, the way that he does his flock from a distance through the internet. Even if you're friends on Facebook and follow each other on Twitter, he cannot feed into your life the the spiritual care that a pastoral pastor needs to give he can't do that from that distance you have to find a local church you have to find a local pastor who can be that that uh spiritual care in your life it is it is imperative that every christian have that it's a way that christ set up his church it's the reason why he set it up to where there would be pastors and so on to care for the people and and we need that. So one, if you don't have a local pastor, get into a local body, find the best church that you can. Go Nine Marks Ministries. Um, you know, call some people around, get into a Reformed group on Facebook or whatever, and ask around. Hey, does anybody know of any even semi-solid <laughs> church in my area? Find the best church that you can and be part of it. Get into a local church. Get under the pastoral care of a local church pastor. And then pray for them all the time. This is self-serving because I am an elder in the church and I'm asking for myself. Please pray for me. Please pray for, for me doing podcasts and things like that. If you're in my church, I covet your prayers. Because again, I'm not above temptation and, uh, and depression and discouragement at any given time, you know, I need the prayers of the people that God has entrusted me to care for. Um, I have a, a fall, far smaller circle of people that I I'm responsible for spiritually than our lead pastor and our executive pastor do. And so I continue to pray for them and, 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 Call on the people of Refuge Church in Ogden, Utah to pray for your pastors. We have six men, four, four ordained elders, and two uh, pastoral candidates, elder candidates, that need your prayers. Brian Sauvay, Dan Burkholder, Cody Hawken, Joshua Adams, Kevin Griffin, and myself need your prayers. And if you're listening to this beyond Ogden, Utah and the, the body of, of Refuge Church... Please, I can't, again, I I sound like when I'm doing a music review and beating that drum of go out and support uh, Christian hip-hop and your your favorite artist. But this is imperative. This is so important enough that I have devoted almost seven minutes to this specific topic. Get into a local church and pray for your local pastor. And then... After you've done that and you've dedicated time to that, go out and preach the gospel at all times. Use words. They are necessary. And until next week, Soli Deo Gloria.